It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. And welcome with Mr. Brian Ferry playing Bob Dylan's song, A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall. I love the Dylan version, but I actually love the Ferry version even more. But I'm playing it for the words and because, again, we're going to be looking at rain falling and I'm playing it as rain is falling outside my apartment at the moment in Sydney. And you'll understand the significance of that in a couple of minutes. But what did you hear, my blue-eyed son? And what did you hear, my darling young one? I heard the sound of a thunder that roared out a warning. I heard the roar of a wave that could drown the whole world. I heard 100 drummers whose hands were ablazing. I heard 10,000 whispering and nobody listening. I heard one person starve. I heard many people laughing. I heard the sound of a poet who lived in the gutter. Heard the sound of a clown who cried in the alley. And it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard... It's a hard rain's going to fall. A song about hard rain, the not climate change, but nuclear fallout and so on. And I guess one of the things that we can say in all of this as we look at these events from a Christian perspective is that human beings do always tend to catastrophize. And it's not saying that our problems are not real, Sometimes we hide away from them, but sometimes we exaggerate them. So anyway, what's going on at COP26? Well, the big news this week is that, according to our press, that the US and China have reached a climate agreement and this could be a a deal changer. Now, as far as I can see, there's almost nothing in it. It's an agreement that they say they're both going to work together as the world's two largest economies to deal with climate change and phase out coal and so on. China in the process of building 50 new coal plants that are going to last 50 years. Joe Biden struggling at home. As they say, we'll see. But what I want to consider this week as well, and we will move, we're going to look at different subjects also, but I want to consider how all of this is reported. So remember two years ago, you were hearing this, Thousands of people remain stranded on beaches, figuring the water may be their only escape. Practically a war zone. It's just ridiculous. Local fire brigades, mostly volunteers, are doing what they can to help keep the fires from spreading. 
But the threat here is unprecedented. With over 100 fires burning in New South Wales alone, barely half of them are contained. At times, firefighters battling flames over 200 feet high. Yes, that's the Australian bushfires, and they really were terrible. We were here. We were waking up. Some uh, I remember some days in particular, I was walking down the street and just clouded over with smoke. You could smell the burning and you could see the fear in people's eyes. But it was reported in such catastrophic terms. We were told at the time that we wouldn't get rain for another two or three years. We were told that this was something that because of climate change was going to be repeated and repeated and repeated. Well, what have you heard about the Australian weather since then? Nothing. Did you hear that today was, I think, the coldest November day in decades? No. If it had been the coldest, the hottest November day in decades, if the bushfires were again just now, then you would you would hear it endlessly and nonstop. Did you hear that areas which had been drought-ridden for a while are now flourishing? If you look at a map of Australia today, you'll see that three quarters of it is covered in rain clouds. Now, none of this is to deny climate change, but it is to say that we get a wrong impression because the bad news gets reported and it's used for an agenda. And that has an impact. And I'll tell you where it has an impact most is on children. An SNP uh, government minister tweeted this. Hello there, I'm Holly Brown and I'm nine years old. Today we are in Kelvin Grove and we're having a climate change walk in March. And we're at Humber, supposed to be here today, and I'm inspired by her, so that's why I'm wearing this T-shirt. And that was a young child, cute young child. But what have we come to? That, that nine-year-old girl knows nothing about climate change, except what she's been taught by her teachers. And here she is being told how wonderful she is because of her indoctrination. And then we get politicians saying we should listen to the children. Why? It's not the children. It's the children repeating the fears that they've been given. I am very, very concerned about how our children and our young people are, and this is a strong word, but I'm going to use it, are being abused in this political process, maybe with good intentions. But in the words of Pink Floyd, hey, teacher, leave the kids alone. We don't need no thoughts control And then some of you last last week about Greta. You know, I, I'd mentioned that she turned a bit foul-mouthed and somebody asked for an example. Well, here's one. 
You can shove your climate crisis up your arse. You can shove your climate crisis up your arse. You can shove your climate crisis. You can shove your climate crisis. You can shove your climate crisis up your arse. You can shove your climate change. Hmm. Someone who's supposed to be deeply concerned. She's dancing around, singing and smiling. You can shove your climate change. What happened to the you have stolen my future? I, I suspect there's a little bit of it. She's enjoying the limelight too much. But I also do, again, do feel sorry for her. Now, again, what we're not saying is that there are no concerns with climate change. And we're not saying it's not happening. And we're not saying that there is... Uh, no human impact, and neither are we saying we should do nothing. For example, I actually think that we should go the nuclear route. But a man in Lewis called Rod Reed has got a different idea. So a flying wind turbine is basically just uh, a lifting kite, a set of kites that spin and uh, generate a ground station, uh, which turns the, the spinning into electricity. It's quite mesmerizing. Um, yeah, a lot of people have said they're quite beautiful. It can scale to sweep through large areas of sky and be really powerful that way and make cheaper electricity by using very lightweight systems and therefore have much less carbon impact on the cost of energy there. Sitting by the fireplace at a pal's house and yeah, the light bulb moment really did come then. I was like, Ali, I need some pens, I need to write this down. But um, yeah, there's been a lot of trial, of it, trial and error, a lot of sewing, a lot of... Uh, gluing and sticking it. it. It's a very basic system. There's nothing really complex in the build of these machines. Portable spinning kites. Well, it may work in Lewis because there's plenty of wind. But it's an interesting and innovative idea and good for him. Um, he's been using it to charge his electric van with the system. Well, I, I, as I say, good for him. Innovation and technology will greatly help. But I, I can't get away from the hypocrisy. I think of the Brighton and Hove city councillor, Felon McCafferty, who took a plane from London to Glasgow to attend the summit. On the same day, he criticised the government for a lack of action over climate change. He made a speech on cutting carbon emissions after flying and appeared at a protest match. And he could have taken the train. That's hypocrisy. And so is this. The European Commission president, Ursula von der Leyen, she has used private jets on more than half of her overseas missions, including short trips, including, get this, going from Vienna to Bratislava, which is 31 miles. And then if you want more hypocrisy, Boris Johnson lecturing us all, talking about one minute to midnight, taking a private jet to fly down to London to go to a, in the middle of the conference, to go to a gentleman's dinner. It's a hard rain. It's going to fall. All right, let's do some world news. Um, let's go to Ethiopia, first of all. Now, a year ago in Ethiopia, the Tigray province was about to be overrun by Ethiopian forces. Most of the Tigray cities had been captured. The regional capital, Mekele, had fallen to the government. And on November 27th last year, the Ethiopian Prime Minister Abdi Ahmed declared victory in the civil conference. But the Tigray's People's Liberation Front, the TPLF, didn't give up. 
And now, in a complete reversal of fortunes, they are evening threatening, having recaptured all their own area. They're now well into Ethiopia itself and are threatening Addis Ababa. Now, it's a complex uh, conflict, but one thing we do know is two million people have been made homeless. Tens of thousands of people have been killed or wounded. It is the world, as Gibbon, the 19th century historian, said, very quickly forgets Ethiopia, but it's a very important and populous country. And then another country we don't often hear a lot of is East Timor. And the BBC programme Last Word, which I love listening to, had this amazing story of a man called Christopher Weiner, who became known as Max Stahl. He was a Blue Peter presenter, became a documentary maker. But listen to this, what was said about him as regards East Timor, probably his most important work. Christopher's greatest achievement working as Max Stahl was his reporting of a massacre in East Timor. The former Portuguese colony had been occupied by neighbouring Indonesia in 1975 and the independence movement had been brutally put down. Christopher's footage of the Indonesian military shooting pro-independence demonstrators at a funeral caused outrage around the world. He was filming when the Indonesian military opened fire on a large crowd of people and killed scores of, of protesters and Chris had the presence of mind to, to keep filming and to capture all that and then even more so the sort of resourcefulness he realized he was bound to be arrested he buried he took his tapes from the camera buried them in a grave and made a note of where he put them he was then arrested uh, and uh, interrogated and held for uh, some hours um, but they they couldn't find anything. Very movingly, he, he will be buried in that same cemetery where he, he made such a difference to the sort of the future of the nation. That's extraordinary. So what an influence he had. Now, in the cemetery where he buried the tape, where he recorded an account of that uh, massacre, that's where he's now buried. He went to live in East Timor. He, he set up an art centre there. It's really been quite remarkable. And then Belarus, let's just say something about what's happening in Belarus. Uh, at least 2,000 migrants are now at the Belarus border with Poland. What's happened is they come into Belarus and they come from uh, usually the Middle East and Asia. The Russians pass them on to the Belarusians. The Belarusians are now trying to seek to put them to the Poles. And the European Commission and the Poles are putting up, putting troops and fences and all the rest of it. It's an absolute nightmare. There are people who've died because they're freezing. Their temperatures have got down below zero at night. Nobody's letting us get in anywhere, Belarus or Poland. But they're trying to get to Germany. And that was one of the big mistakes. Well-meaning, but one of the big mistakes that Angela Merkel made. And then one other bit of world news, and again in a country we hear a lot about in different ways, but maybe not in this way, North Korea. Pray for that country because the warnings are coming in thick and fast now of a potential famine in North Korea. 
there's a concern as winter approaches that, oh, that the most vulnerable will just starve to death. There are more orphan children on the streets and deaths by starvation is continually being reported. And in this communist paradise, of course, it is the working classes who are suffering most. The border has been closed since January to prevent the spread of COVID-19 from China. It's difficult to get messages in. So pray for that country. Speaking of COVID, let me mention a couple of things. Um, Europe is now experiencing a fourth wave. Even a country like Denmark, which had announced it had conquered it, is beginning to reimpose restrictions. The one country that still seems to be doing well is Sweden, and it looks as though their uh, policies, which for which they were roundly mocked continually in the Western press, have actually worked. Incidentally, this is a, again back to the reporting thing. It's a bit like the climate change thing. You don't hear this in the press. Meanwhile, Germany's recorded its highest seven-day COVID rate since the start of the pandemic. And in Australia, we're opening out more and more, although we have two states who, because they have no COVID or virtually no COVID, don't want to let anyone in. And Japan and India both seem to be doing really well just now. And then the United Kingdom. There's just an extraordinary story of the an NHS chief, uh, Amanda Pritchard, the new head of NHS England, who said we've had 14 times the number of people in hospital with COVID-19 than we saw this time last year. But it's not true. It was just completely false and you could easily check it. Now, you could argue she just made a mistake. But going on the media and saying that, it's like people who are claiming Britain's cases are skyrocketing. Well, they're not. It seems as though they peaked around the 23rd of October. Now, who knows what will happen with all this. But perhaps one of the strangest things comes from this man. No more lockdown. No more government overreach No more fascist bullies Disturbing our peace No more taking of our freedom And our God-given rights Pretending it's for our safety When it's really to enslave Who's running our country? Who's running our world? Examine it closely and watch it unfurl. No more lockdown. No more threats. No more imperial college. That is Van Morrison. He's being sued for libel by Northern Ireland's health minister after he accused the health minister of being dangerous and the health ministers accused him of being dangerous. Now, to me, what's wrong with this, whether Van Morrison is right or wrong, to have a politician seeking to prevent someone from criticising him. Wow. Imagine if Boris Johnson or Nicola Sturgeon sued everyone who called them liars which is a very serious charge, surely. Then let's come on to uh, some, a couple of new things in music and entertainment. First, 
A new film. How could a mere man be called a great moral teacher and say the sort of things Jesus said? Such as? That night, as I read Fantasties, my imagination was baptized. The rest of me took a little longer. The Most Reluctant Convert, The Untold Story of C.S. Lewis. Uh, it's done remarkably well already in the US, and it's now in the UK. Hopefully it'll come to Australia. I'm certainly very much looking forward to see it, because it's been very positively reviewed. That would be great. And then I have a confession to make. I kind of like this group. I still have faith in you. I see it now Through all these years that faith lives on Somehow There was a union Of heart and mind The likes of which are rare and grow so hard Do I have it in me? I believe it is in there For I know I hear a very sweet song In the memories we share I still have faith in you And I would say Yeah, that's Abba. And that's their new album. Now I say I like ABBA. I did not like the idea of them reforming. I wasn't going to listen to their new album, but it came up on Spotify. And initially I went, no thanks, bland, yuck. But I've really got into it. I really like it. Um, good for them. Although I still have faith in you. Now, they just don't get it. We do have it in us. New spirit has arrived. The joy and the sorrow. We have a story and it survived. Having faith in... Human beings. No, our faith is to be in God. Let's do a couple of ethical things. The Cambridge Union has set up what's been called a Stalinist blacklist of speakers that will never invite to address students again. I don't think I really want to say anything more about that. But a, a student's union have a blacklist of speakers. Or... Here's an extraordinary story from the United States, uh, reported by Andrew Bolt on Sky News here in Australia. But just listen to this. This idiocy of identity politics make us weaker and weaker. But I left out one amazing sign of this decline that really would have China's military thinking, oh boy, oh boy, this is going to be too easy. The US last Saturday launched a new warship named after gay rights campaigner Harvey Milk who for all his good work, and no doubt there was a lot of good work there, also when he was 33, had a relationship with a disturbed 16-year-old boy who'd run away from home, and that boy later killed himself. But now, never mind, Harvey Milk has a Navy ship named after him. Very strange. But here's more Incredible, isn't it? Mind you, in the church we can have some crazy stuff too. 
Here's a clip from Bethel Church, which seemed to have a big influence from California. Reverse, Lord. Reverse those... Whoo. How many want to be 10 years younger? How many want you to be 10 years younger? Father, I release youthfulness in this body. As a sign and a wonder of all of Reading and of all of the regions, the people here get younger and younger looking and younger looking. At an 80s, they become like 40s. They swing the sword. As 40s, at 80s, you look and feel and act like 40s. It's so sad. Although you'd have to laugh, we can reverse your aging. Hair begins to grow. You get supernatural hair, creative organs. Oh, help. But let's have a more positive story. Here are our friends, the gypsies. Now, gypsies is not a racist term, by the way. That word has been reclaimed. And there was a great article on Unheard about how a large minority, if not even majority, of the Roma or Gypsy people in Europe, in, in the UK and in Europe, are becoming Christians. There is a, a group called Light and Life who have 33 congregations alone with 20,000 followers. Up to a third, uh, this article reported, of the 12 million Gypsies, Roma and Travellers, not half, sorry, up to a third, are Pentecostal or have at least attended a spirit-led church. Great. May God bless them. May God absolutely bless them. Now, I've also mentioned before the programme God Forbid on ABC, and uh, I would say my friend now, James Carlton. Um very very interesting presenter and this is just fascinating clip he was discussing atheism and uh, a lapsed catholic woman who now said she's an atheist just listen to this little bit of the conversation it's very in my mind uncatholicy things but it wasn't until years later i looked back and thought oh i was still being so catholic because i was still very titillated by a lot of a lot of things that i've been told um I wasn't allowed to, to access, you know, my contraception and, and sex and sexuality, all of that, I, I think held a bit more of a fascination for me after school and at university than, than people who aren't really brought up Catholic or in very strict religious families. Like so many lapsed Catholics, you found as you got older, you had kids, as you became wiser, as you met life's challenges, hurdles, pitfalls, successes, that this immense Catholic experience just you couldn't shake it off was that a hundred percent culture and zero percent god or was this a little god in there even though you're now an atheist can i say oh yeah absolutely i think there's a little bit of god in there for everyone um, or at least a questioning i i don't think that but you I... just said you're an atheist so that, that means zero percent god i am and uh, no, no and to be clear i don't mean there is a god in everyone as in a real God. But I think that questioning of why we're here and that, that sense of, well, you know, what's my existence about, everyone, everyone asks that question, you know. I, I, I think we are, we, you know... We're now, he, ca he, came, he did kind of catch her out, but um, it's just very interesting, that God-shaped hole, isn't it? Now, so, you know, 
there's a little bit of God there, but you don't believe in God. How can there be a little bit of something that doesn't exist? And then she went and goes on to talk about how you've got these traditions, you've got this. And I think she tries to explain it away. Although in reality, the reason there's a God-shaped hole is because there is a God and we were made for him and we were made in his image. And we will never be satisfied. That's what I'd want to say to those of you who are, who are not Christians. As C.S. Lewis says, we have a we have an appetite for food. There's such a thing as food. We have an appetite for sex. There's such a thing as sex. We have an appetite for God because there's such a thing or such a person as God. Well, uh, we're nearing the end again. Time goes by so quickly. Um, I have a new podcast set up with uh, Ask, what I'm doing with Sydney Anglicans here. And uh, we've been, as you know, talking with Greg Sheridan. And then we had Bishop Rod Chiswell. Well, this week we've got Gerald Bray, who's a historian and he's written a wonderful book, A History of Christianity in Britain and Ireland. And it really is a tremendous book. And I've done two interviews with him and this is the first one. And I highly recommend you go and listen to it. They say, we're going to steal your cattle, burn your houses, take your women... Um, unless you become Christian, and it ends up, the, the great line at the end is, and so all Orkney was baptised. <laughs> it's, you know, um, how, how do you comment about something like that, you know? Well, I think, uh, yes, I mean, th- this kind of thing was actually quite common, um, uh, you know, in, the, in, in what you might call the, the conversion of the barbarians uh, mm-hmm. uh, of Northern Europe. I mean, not just in Scotland, but also in uh, in France and Germany and other places. Um, I think you have to, to say, well, you, you know, as in, in all things like this, um, you have to start where the people are. And, and the, the, the people who did this kind of thing, you know, Eric Bloodaxe and whatever, this is the way they thought. This is the way they lived. This, this is something they would have done. All right. We've done climate change. We've looked at some of the situations that are going on in this world. We've spoken about a hard rain falling. We've looked at ABBA and a new C.S. Lewis film. Uh, we've thought a little bit about COVID and uh, some of the reactions that come from that. We thought about ethics and hypocrisy, both in society and in the church. And we've seen a little bit of how God has worked. So I think that's more than enough. And I want to leave you with a song from somebody who listens to the show, uh, listen to this podcast, and that's Hayden Jones from Adelaide. Uh, I believe he's Baptist and uh, he's taking some of the old hymns and just singing through them and putting them on YouTube and I think this is lovely. We've been surveying the world, but I want to encourage you to survey the Wondrous Cross. We shall see you again uh, next week. And um, I hope and pray that God will bless you. If you want to support us, go to the Podbean fundraiser. If you've got any news, please feel free to share it. Any comments, please do the same. See you next week. When I survey the Wondrous Cross the prince of glory died my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride 
My life, my own. 